HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. HRN has a brand new look, but we're sharing the same delicious stories. Invest in the future of food radio by becoming a monthly sustaining member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hey there, and welcome to the Feed Feed podcast. I'm Alexa Santos, a food editor at the Feed Feed, the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community, serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Throughout season four of the Feed Feed podcast, we will be trying to help you solve that daily question that we're all faced with, which is, what's for dinner? Each week, we will be speaking with members of the hashtag Feed Feed community who are a constant source of ideas and inspiration and help us get dinner on the table every night. Today, I'm joined by Michael Silverstein, a.k.a. ChefMichael.Keto on Instagram. Chef Michael is a chef, cookbook author, former MasterChef contestant, and social media personality. He's passionate about healthy food that tastes great and is also a big proponent of the ketogenic diet. Check him out on Instagram at ChefMichael.Keto and ChefMichael on YouTube. Welcome to the Feed Feed podcast, Michael. I'm very excited to have you. Well, thank you. Hi, Alexa. Hi. <laughs> I hope <laughs> are, I did a good we job. We are ready. Okay, good. I got my coffee. I'm like, I'm ready to go. Oh, perfect. So you, you're ready to get this thing rocking I'm ready rolling. to get this thing started. I actually just ate like a fat-ass salad. So I want to like talk to you about, we need to discuss salads for a second. But okay, we'll, we'll so let's there. take a quick moment to talk about salads. What would you like <laughs> to tell me about salads, Michael? I, so I, I, I'm literally just sitting the bowls next to me as we're discussing this, but I just like went, I, I got back from the gym. I went really hard on this like big ass bowl of salad. And I feel like this idea of salads are healthy. It goes way out the window with me when I like <laughs> pack it with like blue cheese and dressing and all this stuff. So <laughs> I, I, I just like, it's on my mind that I'm like, my salads at least are probably not healthy. So I'm just going to call it my big fat salad addiction. Okay. <laughs> so you're having a existential crisis about your salads. That's great. And that's a very keto problem, it sounds like, to be like, oh, I made a salad, but it was covered in blue cheese. So, <laughs> And you're going to yeah. get a lot of keto jokes from me during this. So I that's hope, fine. You, I hope you are ready for that. Yes. I, I expect at least as many keto jokes as the eggplant jokes that were flying around on our live recently. Oh, you got it. Just buckle <laughs> up. 
<laughs> so you have your salad crisis. That's great. But walk me. I want to start by talking about kind of your earlier days. I want to hear about kind of food and your family and how you developed, how you became the chef Michael that you are today. So what, during Ooh. your childhood, what type of food were you eating? What was kind of the what was the culinary vibe for you growing up? Yeah, let's. Yeah. Wow. We're digging in. Um so, you know, I grew up in a Jewish house. So, you know, that came with like <laughs> food with everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like grandma's mom's, my dad cooked, like everybody was just like, wait, you're feeling sad. We're going to feed you. You're feeling happy. Let's celebrate and eat. Like everything was about food growing up. My mom is an amazing cook. Um, and I, I started cooking with her really, really young, um, like really little, she would just like, let me do whatever I was capable of at that age. So I really got my first spark, um, at a very young age and just seeing food as really like the expression of love. Um, I know that's kind of cliche, but that's cute though. I mean, it's kind of true. Um, it's just sort of been a part of my world. Um, I always wanted to be working in, in the food industry. I've dreamed since I'm a little kid of owning a restaurant. Maybe one day that'll still come true. Um, I'm kind of working towards that eventually, but, um, I got my first job in an Italian restaurant at 13 years old. Like I, I wasn't even legally able to get a work permit. We like begged the manager to like <laughs> pay me in cash. Like I guess kind terrible. of technically illegal, but like, yeah. So I would go in at 13 years old and like watch the chefs and I was kind of like a intern, you know? So I'd like roll, like, this is like a classic Italian restaurant where like, cloth napkins the silverware was rolled up in them and mm -hmm. so I would spend like all I'm talking like hours just polishing glass uh or rolling napkins or watching the chefs like they had this little like olive oil parmesan like dip that would go with the free bread on the table and so yes. I would just dose those out for all the servers like I would just kind of like do whatever I could to learn to watch and um and that was sort of the moment you know, pretty quickly at, at around 13 that I was like, this is my world. Um, and I, I would say like, I've never really found anything that feels so much like home in regards to like my true passion. That Aww. being said, the restaurant industry is brutal. And at 25, I got burnt out. I left, um, I changed courses completely. I actually just like quit it all and got into real estate I actually went to college for architecture randomly because I feel like food, I don't know, food isn't like, I don't know. I, I think I feel like there was all this pressure to kind of do something like with a classic professional vibe or whatever. So I went to school for architecture. I graduated, went back to working in restaurants. And then at 25, I was like, you know what, I'm going to like buy a house and renovate it myself. And um, that's what I did. I'd saved up for years. And at 25, I bought a house and over the next two years, like by hand, fixed it up sold it and like started um a little real estate business flipping houses what? and designing and renovating yeah i don't actually talk about this very much but for five years i renovated houses and then oh gosh i, I feel like i'm rambling now but it's a weird kind of come come around story so yeah. <laughs> um so here i am working in real estate and through the stress of all that i had gained a ton of weight um, I was like almost 350 pounds. I was like way out of control. And I decided to like get healthy. I was finally like, you know what? I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to make change. So I sort of found keto because I was like, man, um, 
this diet lets me like eat real food. It's not like I'm, you know, starving myself or cutting, like really counting calories or points or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give keto a try. And I actually like fell in love with it pretty quickly. And, and I'm not saying this as like an agenda. I'm just telling my truth. Um, and I started uh, an Instagram account just showing some of the keto food that I was creating that was sort of like chefy and um, elevated to a certain extent, even though it's just mm -hmm. for myself at home. And I started a keto Instagram. And one day after about six months, and I had no intention of being an influencer or getting back into food, um, I literally get a phone call from an LA number. And it's um, one of Gordon Ramsay's producers. And they were like, we found you. Uh, can you be in New York City in two days? Um, what? We have staff there for the MasterChef auditions. You don't have to audition. Like, just come and meet with Gordon Ramsay's, like, culinary producers. Um, just bring a dish with you. So I had to get in my car in two days, drive with a cooler, because they didn't have anything to cook on. It was at Wait, a hotel. Wait, what? You had to square. travel with the dish? Yes. This was the craziest shit. Can I cuss? I'm sorry. I should have asked that ahead. <laughs> in post. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll avoid it. I don't want the editors to hate me. Um, yes. They were like, look, it's at the, the, our producers are at this hotel in Times Square where we're not allowed to cook. There's no kitchen. So you have to cut like, we don't care if it's cold, bring it in Tupperware. We don't care. Once you get here, you can take it out of the Tupperware and put it on a plate and like pretend we'll pretend like it's hot. And I was like, Wait, guys, I'm, what? I live like six hours away by car. So I'm like, at this point, I'm like, what? I have 48 hours to out of the air plan and execute and drive to New York and City. Travel with a dish. With a dish to cook for Gordon Ramsay's staff. Like, okay. Oh my god. I did <laughs> not know this story. Oh my god, this is insane. So I did. Uh I made sous vide duck. I brought it, brought it out. I brought a plate with me, plated it up like in front of them. They were like, you have like 30 seconds, so I pulled out of the Tupperware and played it for us. What? What did. is this task? <laughs> it's so crazy. I know. I like. I felt like the whole thing was like out of a weird, bizarre. Yeah, you were just like being dream. punked or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, his his like culinary director tasted it and literally looked at me and he said, "Yeah, you nailed it. Um, we'll be in touch." And what? like, next thing you know, I'm being flown to LA and I'm on set at MasterChef and like my world kind of changed unexpectedly. So um, I actually lived in LA while we filmed season 10 of MasterChef. I had to walk away from my real estate business to like see if I could make this dream happen of being a TV chef. Uh, stayed in LA, filmed MasterChef, came home with basically nothing because I had no job. I, you know, I yeah. basically lost my business and was like, well, here we go. <laughs> Full speed ahead. Let's give it a shot. So that was two years ago, almost exactly like August of... Uh, 19. Yeah. So I basically came back from LA, like with a whole new story to tell and, um, just flew with it. So yeah, I quit my job. I moved to Austin. Cause I was like, well, I might as well make up, you know, <laughs> go to, I don't know, get inspired, try something new, take or get, yeah. take a risk. So we, um, me and my fiance, we picked up, we moved to Austin. We like put our house on the market in, in Pittsburgh and literally picked up and moved to Austin with no plan. I had no idea how I was even going to survive. Um, I, I just took a, took a gamble on myself. Wow, that is insane! I did yeah. not know that whole backstory. Thank you so much for yeah. I, I think that was a lot longer <laughs> of an answer than maybe either of us intended, but um, you asked. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. So, 
what a whirlwind and a roller coaster <laughs> yeah it, yeah but I think it taught me it taught me a lot though obviously about myself but I think it's also just to tie this into somebody listening um like there's two things I want to say and one is you never really know who's watching um in this social media world you never really know what opportunities may lie out there if you just give it a shot and like I sort of thought the whole thing was a joke, but my life has changed. Um, and now I'm, you know, I'm an author. I'm here on the Feed Feed podcast. In two years, my entire world changed because I took a risk. And so, yeah, I just, I, I kind of want to say that to people listening. Like, just put yourself out there. I know it's scary. I have friends all the time who are like, you know, they don't have a huge following on Instagram and they're so nervous um, because they feel like they'll never be able to compete with like big influencers or whatever. I'm like, like every influencer started with, you know, 50 followers. Like you have to just make content and run with it and see what happens. See if it connects with people. Um, so yeah, just kind of wanted to leave a little nugget in there to take a risk. We've got it all. We've got gripping tales. We've got life <laughs> advice. We've got <laughs> food inspiration. We've got everything here. Come your one-stop shop for everything you need. The Feed Feed Podcast with Chef Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, that's such a good story. And it's like very, I, I mean, truly, you just put yourself out there and like not expecting anything and then pretty much your entire world changed. So that's, um, that's crazy stuff. So you, when you were in the restaurants, were you, I, so I assume you went to culinary school, like the whole nine no. yards there? No, 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 no. I am not a classically trained chef. Um, most of it started as self-taught or just from watching and learning in the restaurants. So, and I've worked on all ends. So I've, I've worked behind the line. I've worked front of house. I've been a bartender. I've been a server. I, I've just, like, I managed a cold stone at one point in high school. <laughs> like I've just, I'm just obsessed with everything restaurant. Um, and so, you know, and, and I think, I think most people would be surprised to know that not many chefs that are working in kitchens went to culinary school. That's like one really? avenue. Um, but there's a lot of ways to learn. And if you're passionate about cooking, like show up at a restaurant and just be like, I'll learn, like I'll cut onions all day. If that's what it takes, like, just give me a job, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, no, yeah, I am. I, I am definitely not a classically trained chef and have not gone to culinary school. Um, well, yeah. So, well, there we go. Good to know. Glad we uh, cleared the air on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just assumed you did. So when you were, so you were learning to cook from a pretty young age, you know, with your family, I know, you know, with the Jewish upbringing, I'm, I'm Jewish myself. So I totally oh, yeah. get that vibe a hundred percent. So were you like involved in the kitchen? Like what were some of the early things that you were kind of doing as a, Interesting. as a young chef, Michael, just <laughs> in the kitchen with your family? Yeah, that's, that's great. I like anything and everything. Um, my mom has always really brought cooking into like the daily activities. And I guess what I mean when I say that is like, it wasn't like one of those things where my mom was by herself cooking. Like, we were all always with her um, when she was cooking. I mean, same with my dad. My dad cooked dinners a lot. They both work full time. So, um, like I still like miss my dad's spaghetti and stuff. So like, it, it, I don't, I don't mean to like center this on one member of the family, but um, it's, you know, I think she would just let me participate as much as possible. And um, 
she actually started collecting um, like the family recipes that she would make. We've like, she collected recipes from like my grandmothers and grand, grand, like kind of family from extended family and aunts and cousins and stuff of hers. And she actually put together for me and my sisters, like a little like homemade cookbook of oh like God, all so of cute. our family recipes to sort of preserve them. And I remember like in high school when she was doing that. And, and again, she's like, she's a school principal. So she was working like more than full time and still putting in all this like love into the cooking and into like developing this sort of um, record of all of our family recipes. And I think you see that at a young age and you really, you absorb that, that understanding that like, this is important stuff. This is our history. Um, you know, I think, I think I absorbed pretty heavily how important food and recipes were not just to like the moment, but sort of to like the whole story of our family. Oh my God. Um, and so, yeah, like I still have, she actually made a volume two uh, a few years later, but I still have both volumes of my mom's like homemade cookbook, um, oh. sitting next to me. And, uh, it's, yeah, I think, I think it's really special. I don't that know is how the cutest thing. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm like, I want one. I wish my mom did that. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute. And so, do you still like? Do you cook from that, or do you still make oh, things yeah. from it all the time? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's also really fun for me too to see if like I could like ketofy anything in there um, and stuff like that as well. Just kind of get inspired. Um, but like, I it's so funny too when you read it. I, I don't know if like you have any family recipes or if you've experienced this, but when you look at like the way our grandmothers or something wrote recipes, it was like, it's not even calling it a recipe is a stretch. Sometimes it's like, <laughs> here's recipe. a list of ingredients and like mix together and cook until it's done. You know, yeah, <laughs> You're literally. Like, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's this really funny thing about, um, you know, about the way that family recipes that have been passed down, um, are so much more about like just a feeling, uh, a pinch of this, a feeling of when it's done. Um, whereas like when I write cookbooks or even recipes for my blog, you know, I have to be so descriptive and very precise. Um, like, are we rough chopping the onion? Are we mincing it? Are we dicing it? Oh yeah. You it's know, a whole thing. It's are a we sweating it till it's you know, fully caramelized or, you know, and none of that details in any of these family recipes. So it's funny because I've tried to recreate them and I'll cook it precisely to what these recipes say, but it never tastes exactly like my mom. Right. Um, recently she came to visit me here in Texas. And, uh, finally, after we all got vaccinated, she came to visit, I hadn't seen her in two years. Oh. And I was like, all right, you, we're going to make your chicken soup because I have tried to make your chicken soup verbatim what this book says but it just it doesn't it's not right so we sat here and i like watched her make her chicken soup like for like several hours um and like Did learned you write it. stuff down yeah i took a ton of notes right in the book um and uh i hope actually one day to share that um with people because i think it's really special to me and um yeah i just i think that's so it's so interesting how you know to me, how food was, has been passed down in like pretty much any culture. Like we're speaking of my mom's Jewish uh, mm -hmm. cultural background, but 
like any culture, I bet this is something we could relate to like people from all over the world that like the way that our mothers or fathers cooked was so much more about touch and feel. Um, you know, they didn't have like fancy equipment. Like. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't have like microplanes and, you know, uh, immersion blenders and stuff. They like chopped it, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think it's really cool and to kind of like pass on that legacy through my recipes. Um, yeah. It's very special. Yeah. Oh, and so what are some of the items in this book? Like, what are some of the things you grew up eating? I mean, obviously we've got the chicken soup, but what else? What are some of the like quintessential items from your childhood? Brisket. Yes. Hardcore, quick answer right there. Brisket is a no brainer mm. for me. And that was sort of another situation like the soup, like my mom has the recipe written, but I mean, it's good when I make it, but it's not her brisket. Um, right. <laughs> Um, my gosh, that's such a good question. I feel, I feel on the spot. She has like all kinds of things in there. I mean, it's two volumes. Um, two volumes. Yeah. I'll have Look to like, her. I'll have to think about that. Actually, yeah. it's sitting next to me. I could read a few things. It's literally <laughs> sitting next to me. I wish. And like not planned. I had no idea this was going to come up. It's with you at all times. It's literally on my desk right now. Um, I, I, it was open to what is in quotes called the best hot fudge. That oh. was because I wanted to ketofy that recently and make like a keto, like a sugar-free hot fudge based on my mom's. And it's five ingredients, sugar, cream, cocoa, butter, and vanilla. Yum. And that's it. Sounds amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So that was like literally open sitting on my desk. She has chocolate mousse, creme brulee. Oh, so it's, um, we've got sweet, we've got savory, we've got. Oh, oh, there's, no, this is serious business. There, like I just, there's a whole Passover section. There's. Oh my goodness. It, this is, no, I'm serious. This is like real deal. It's like thicker than my cookbook. Like, oh my God. She's not yeah. messing around. No. And this is just volume one. Wow. Yeah. We're in, we're in appetizers, salad, back to the front, appetizers, salads, meats. No, it's like a legit cookbook. I'm so proud of her for that. I know. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. Oh, and what a story and like, what a, way yeah. to tie it all back into like what you're doing and it really does seem like your mom was such an inspiration for you yeah, kind 100%. of pursuing so much of this so this is yeah. it's awesome and so with your cooking style how has it evolved over time I assume you went from more kind of like family recipes to I mean then you were working in the restaurants and then you're the keto thing so like what is the culinary evolution of chef Michael's cooking here um, okay. So keto's new in my life. So that basically has only been like, th I've been keto for three years. So I wouldn't have even known what that was before that. Um, I was actually a vegetarian for eight years before going keto. So oh, wow. evolution definitely got super into vegetarian food. Um, and I'm just generally very inspired by like global food. So like traveling really inspires me and just in general, um, exploring kind of the vast world of food. So I try to like almost study, um, different cuisines, um, and then kind of, uh, really learn the history and really appreciate, um, food from around the world. So yeah, like, and like, we just made like Lebanese baba ganoush, uh, like mm -hmm. I, I, and I try to respect like, the authenticity, um, as much as possible and like learn from somebody, um, 
you know, native to that culture and try to really uh, respect and appreciate and share um, as much as possible. So, yeah, I, I think like kind of inspired by global food and then just sort of where that lands has shifted from like vegetarian to now kind of the not the opposite because keto is a lot more vegetables than I think people think yeah. of normally um but well, there is a lot of meat <laughs> and yeah. like bacon yeah yeah uh there can be dairy yeah there can be I don't love like bacon the way a lot of people do so uh, that, I don't know that may upset people but <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way honestly like i it's fine. I'm not like, I don't have anything against it, but I don't like go out of my way. I'm not like, Oh, bacon. Like I love yeah, it so much. Like, like I don't need bacon, everything. Like I don't, I don't need bacon in my like bloody Marys and stuff. Like, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like, a time and a place. Fine. There are some recipes. I, of course, like there are things that I think genuinely like I do like, a. I don't know, you know, like I love making clam chowder with bacon in it. Like there's some places where I genuinely think it adds to the layers of flavor when you get the smoke and the savory and the kind of that, that sweet and salty smoky moment. Mm-hmm. But I I don't think it needs to be like bacon wrapped everything. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I don't think we need to like, you know, fangirl over bacon, like yeah, I'll take <laughs> bacon and everything. Like loving bacon's like a personality trait at this point. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so obviously you're living a keto lifestyle. How, and you have, you know, a wide range of culinary experiences and your mom's cookbook and so many things. How are you approaching what's for dinner every night when you're cooking, you know, you're obviously living your keto lifestyle. So how are you kind of putting all your life experiences and everything together to basically make dinner for yourself and your fiance every night? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, look, first of all, let me let me get my thoughts organized here for a second because I think that there's so I'm going to answer your question first. So what do we cook every night? I obviously you know I'm very busy and um, my fiance is a nurse, so he is working like sixty like I swear to God sometimes eighty hours a week. So there are some nights where it's like you know yeah food is my world, but also like let's just sear up some chicken thighs and like keep it moving. You know like I don't I don't need yeah. like a whole production every night. Uh-huh. Um, so I think I find, especially in the realm of like trying to stay healthy um, and maintain like the good feelings that I get from eating like whole foods, not junk and like pre-packaged stuff um, is mm-hmm. trying to keep it simple. So, um, you know, it might just be something as simple as like meatballs that I throw in the pressure cooker with, like I'll just roll some meatballs and throw it in a pressure cooker with um, like a jar of like nice marinara and call it a day. Um, Last night, I, I just said, I literally seared up boneless chicken thighs um, right in the cast iron with some, like, just some seasoning, some sort of, like, fajita-y seasonings, like garlic, onion, um, and stuff like that, and just, just seasoned it up and then made kind of, like, little taco bowls with some queso fresco and avocado. Yeah. Um, kind of called it a day. It took, like, 15 minutes, and it's, like, one of our go-tos is, like, making little, like, taco with whatever meat we have so yeah I, I think day to day I try to just keep it simple as you know as needed but then also you know obviously I have a serious passion for like throwing down in the kitchen so there are nights yes. when I go really hard um <laughs> yeah what does going yeah, hard sure. look like like I want to know what you're like what's like one of your pièces de resistance dishes <laughs> 
a, oh, a coming out of the Chef Michael kitchen at home. Like if you're trying oh, to gosh. flex. Yeah, I think seafood is sort of my like when I'm feeling feisty. <laughs> I'm Ooh. going towards seafood um, because to me, like, so I don't love frozen seafood generally. And so, um, you know, if I want to throw down, I'm going to go get some beautiful seafood, whatever that might be that like I see in the case that inspires me. I love like big, beautiful scallops. I love, um, anything sort of raw. Um, my man is obsessed with ceviche. So like, if I just mm. see something, a beautiful fish, I'll often make like a ceviche or an aguachile that just like on the fly with whatever we have in the house um, and kind of like start with maybe like a raw or cold seafood and then move into um, something a little bit more substantial. I think like just randomly the other day uh, this happened and I actually, this was frozen, but I had ahi tuna and did like um, a really nice ahi tuna ceviche kind of course one and then into like butter poached lobster tail. Um, it was just like the two of us, like <laughs> I didn't even post it. It was just for us. Um, and like, yeah, I, I think seafood is really special for me. I grew up in like the in Maryland, like sort of in the DC area, and like crab and seafood was sort of like bay. Like, like we lived off like seafood, such a big part of the culture in yeah. that part of the country. So, seafood's definitely kind of my my like true comfort. Um, oh. I think I even mentioned like clam chowder. Like, I, I love yeah. seafood. So, yeah, that would be like something I'd probably do like kind of splurge on from my wallet, but also like just go hard on in the kitchen, even if it's just the two of us, is a really beautiful seafood dinner. Okay, well, that's an amazing answer. I, lo I love seafood and everything you've described sounds absolutely amazing. So, I mean, sign me up, like I'm coming over. <laughs> if we were closer, we could be having all the dinners. I know, don't start with me. Do not mm -hmm. even start with me. So tell me about, I know you talked about your love of preparing seafood and kind of some easy things that you whip up, but uh, ingredient wise, what are some things that you kind of always have on hand in the kitchen? Ooh, fun. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's a great question. I, so I feel like sauces make a dish. Yes. So if you can like throw together a good sauce, you know, you can make a shoe tasty, you know, like, uh -huh. so often I have like a very stocked, I took a whole cabinet over like, you know, my above cabinet, like over the countertop that would normally have like plates and stuff. And mm. I took the shelves out and it's just a giant like sauce repository. <laughs> <laughs> um, so everything that uh, I could use. So like, I'll just peruse like an Asian market or Middle Eastern market or Indian market. And I'll have like, you know, six, seven different kinds of vinegars, some different chili oils, um, you know, your basics like soy sauce, sesame oil, um, you know, olive oils and things like that and uh, champagne vinegar and red wine vinegar and like just kind of have like an assortment of things that could end up coming together to create something. Um, and so that I think is kind of the like my, I don't know if it's not a hack. Cause like, obviously anybody who cooks probably has some <laughs> version of this, but it's sort of my hack for like, whatever I have in the fridge or the freezer, I can like make it sexy with like a luxurious, you know, buttery sauce or, you know, whatever. And then Av's uh, garlic is yeah. all, like, 
I, people who know me, I'm kind of shameless about this on my Instagram, but I love <laughs> buying like big containers of pre-peeled garlic cloves. Yes. Um, a lot of restaurants, that's like how they'll operate. Like, it, you know, to scale, sitting there peeling garlic cloves, you know, at the scale of like an Italian restaurant is going to go through yeah. garlic. So, buy, you know, you can see them sometimes in Costco, but those big tubs of pre-peeled garlic. Um, Smart. So it's kind of like, I kind of picked that and now I just don't peel garlic and there's some purists who are going to hate that I said that, but the truth is, is like, you know, if I want like, like I'll throw six to eight cloves of garlic in a dish, like I'm not trying to sit there and peel all night. Yeah. No, I mean, and I, 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 what is even the, what is the downside of not doing it yourself? I mean, technically, you know, anything like, you know, it was probably packaged a while back and like sealed. So it's not going to be as fresh or pungent. Um, right. That's, undeniable um but it's not as bad as like jarred chopped garlic like oh that's, of course that's you know a like, i feel like at least it's acceptable <laughs> yeah yeah um we haven't gone off the deep end yet yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well if you say it's okay to use because i kind of felt the same way where i was like yeah that's such a cop-out to buy the pre-peeled so you know i'm always i mean i don't cook on a large scale at all so it's usually fine but I mean, if you say it's okay, then maybe I, I give you permission. Uh, okay. You know, drop a comment if you hate what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I think um, getting the, like I said, I want to be clear. We're talking about like the whole cloves the whole that are pre-peeled, yes. not like the pre-chopped stuff in the jar, because that's like the stuff minced is, garlic. In yeah, the, not that. Not that. Um, avoid that if possible. I mean, I'm not judging you if you. <clears throat> excuse me, if you rock with the pre-mince, I'm not judging you. Like I respect anybody who takes the time to cook, whatever. True. Um, but if you're going to like cut a step, you know, there's a little bit of a middle ground that I yeah. think is safe. And like little hack, uh, Asian markets have the best prices on the pre-filled garlic. So I get the jars from like my, the H Mart and stuff like that. I, I love H Mart. It's like this All right. Korean market. Well, now you know. Something yeah. to think about. Get your pre and Chef Michael says it's okay. So <laughs> pre-peeled garlic, we're doing it. It's 2021, guys. We're doing pre-peeled garlic now. Forget it. I mean, yeah. it would save a lot of time. It does. Yeah. So that's important. Yeah. So tell me, Chef Michael, who inspires you? Oh goodness. So mm, you're you're killing it with the questions. Oh, thank you. Um, you know. I hate to like kind of be cliche, but ever since watching in real life, Gordon, mm-hmm. it kind of changed things for me a little bit. Cause I think, I think I assumed that his persona, shall we say was BS before yeah. I met him. I, you know, I think a lot of people assume that the yelling and screaming he does and like his persona is more of a TV thing. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that there's not an element of that. Like at the end of the day, TV's TV. Right. But even when the cameras weren't rolling, his um, expectations for quality around the food that we were cooking was like there was no like no holding back. Like he expected everything that we did to be at the top level. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what I will say when you watch cooking TV, like cooking reality competition shows um, across the board, I'm not speaking about like 
master chef or top chef, I'm just saying across the board, a lot of times the editing shows like the mistakes and it shows because that's like what's exciting and that's what's like right um, right you know kind of the drama that being said what you may not be seeing is just how talented uh, a lot of these people are yeah Uh, and we worked for weeks um learning and cooking and um like rounds and rounds of auditions um it was really intense it was kind of like a a boot camp. A boot camp. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Yeah. And so it's basically a giant extended audition. So they send, mm-hmm. um, like a lot more people than ever make it on TV to LA. And then over the course of a few weeks, we compete against each other off oh. camera. And so basically you just continue to get cut as you go. And then the best okay. 20 in our season, some seasons are less, but the best 20, um, start the show and actually move okay. into the cast. But, um, yeah, long answer. Gordon Ramsay, I guess, is a big inspiration to me now because he is so good. Like, it's hard to explain until you see him actually cook in the kitchen and the seamlessness of it. It's truly like I have never seen anything like it. And so uh-huh. that really pushes me. Um, you think you know anything about food. And then you get in front of somebody like Gordon and you realize like <laughs> no matter how good anybody thinks they are, <laughs> um, the, yeah, that, you really yeah, thought. yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, he's also super nice. He's really cool, but, uh, yeah, he definitely inspires me. I've always sort of idolized Kat Cora just because I think not only her cooking is amazing. Um, I think that her kind of being one of the one of the leaders in the chef and food network kind of world as being openly gay Mm -hmm. really as a younger person and, and like getting into the food world as a younger person really inspired me that I maybe had a chance. Um, And so like, I look up to her so much just as a chef and as a human, I think she's just a a stellar person. So Kat Cora has been like my kind of idol chef for a very, very long time. Um, like pretty much like since high school in the days of like the original Iron Chef on TV. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like the the Japanese one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that show so much. Yeah. It was like what inspired me to be into food in the first place is that show. It's so, 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 so good. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, I think Kekor is the first woman, um, as an Iron Chef America and the first, um, LGBT member, uh, like at yes. all, I think first out person, I think on food network, if I'm not mistaken, there's other people who are like, um, Ted Allen, who's the host of chopped. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause he, he was, was out because he was on queer eye, but he wasn't like one of the chefs. You know, he was the host. Right. That's true. Um, that's true. So yeah, big, big hearts to Kat. I just love her. Yay. Aww. <laughs> well, those are very good answers. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. HRN is excited to unveil the new look of food radio. We have a new brand identity and a new website. Our site makes it easier than ever to discover new podcasts and to dig through our archive of over 15,000 episodes. It's been 11 years since HRN started broadcasting food radio, and we've made it this far thanks to the support of our global listening community. It's because of member donations that this show is on the air, along with 40 other weekly shows. 
Your contributions gave HRN the security we needed to stay on the airwaves during the pandemic and are allowing us to reopen our studio in Roberto's. Becoming a monthly sustaining member of HRN shows us how much food radio means to you. Become a monthly sustaining member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. I have a game for you to play. Mm. All right. Are you ready? It's PG, so it's F, Mary kill. And <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be three food items that I believe are curated to you. But I tend to be surprised. Oh, I so can't you- wait. This is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you have to pick what to do to these three food items. Okay, so we've got F. Mary Kill. We've got garlic, chicken, and cheese. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> three Hard, of right? my absolute favorites. I did that on purpose. Yeah. Cheese. Um, <laughs> okay, so... Okay, I have to kill garlic. Not wow. not that I want to, but right off the bat, I have to kill garlic because I could live off of the other two. I cannot okay. survive on garlic alone. Okay. <sighs> um, I will, without a doubt, marry cheese. Um, marry cheese. It's my life. I have cheese in my veins. I it's my we started this conversation talking about blue cheese. We'll end yeah. it talking about cheese. Like that is fine <laughs> with me. Like even though I feel more sexually attracted to cheese, like it should be the F, but I need it for the rest of my life. I'm willing okay. to settle down, put a ring on it and like build a life together with okay. cheese. Okay. I um, get that. And I stand by that with you. Yeah. So if we're gonna put chicken in the F category, can I yes. like maybe specify it as like fried chicken? Because that I would F all day. Right, of course. Like a sexy okay. chicken. Yeah, yeah. Let's rock with that. Yeah, sexy chicken, not like, you know, grilled chicken breast. Like <laughs> exactly. Right. We're on the same page. Okay. So like <laughs> indulgent chicken is what we're talking about here. Yeah, so. I'm thinking like greasy, crispy fried chicken. Like it could be plain. It could be like Korean spice. Like, it, I don't mm. care what in that, ca- but it's got to be like. Fried chicken. Uh, yeah. That's, okay. that's my F. Wow. Okay. Well, that is not what I saw coming, but <laughs> I appreciate and respect all your decisions and Wait, will support but- you. Can I, because now I'm super curious, mm-hmm. not asking what you thought I was going to say, but what's, I need you to answer the same question. With those th- same three? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not, I guess I'm pretty passionate about all three of those things, actually. I guess not as much the chicken, but. So you're killing the chicken just based on No, 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 no. I, I think I would marry garlic mm. just because it's such a like solid thing in everything I eat and cook, like going out to restaurants, cooking, like it's just such a, I love garlicky flavor. Mm. Um, and pretty much, I can't really think of a savory, I mean, obviously like sushi, it's not like really doesn't really have a place in like a ton of like <laughs> that type of food. But I, yeah, I feel like not having garlic flavor in food that I cook and went out to eat would be very sad for me. So <laughs> I would keep that around forever I guess I would kill chicken. I guess I would kill chicken just because I feel like 
I've always said I if I had to go any like if I had to make any type of dietary restriction, I guess I could do vegetarian. I wouldn't be happy about it. Mm. But I don't really eat meat during the day. I, I, I eat kind of lighter during the day. And like at night, obviously, I eat, you know, full dinners. Sure, but I, I could yeah. do with that. You know, if I had to do like pescatarian, I could if I really wanted to. Yeah. I don't want to. I mean, let's to. be honest. Chicken isn't the most exciting of the meat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be annoying to not have it, but I could yeah. live. And that's um, what I'm saying. Like for, like for me, chicken had to be on that list, but it would have to be like, you know, greasy fried chicken. Like, you know. Yeah. 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 That's fair. So I'm marrying garlic, I'm killing chicken, and I'm effing cheese because it is a guilty pleasure, and I love it. And it's probably my favorite out of the three for sure. So it's a bummer I can't keep it around forever. Like, I guess it's indulgent, though. (laughs) So it's, you know, it's got that little, like, scandalous element to it. So. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a solid answer. Okay. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Honestly, you're the only person who's ever turned it back on me. And usually (laughs) it's very curated to the guest. So it's very like, I don't really care that much about the three ingredients, but those three are actually really hard for me as well. So I appreciate that because it's all about, it's all about thinking and making hard choices (laughs) in this life of sin. (laughs) Well, and now you know how it feels to be on our end and be put on the spot. Yeah, it's tough. Those are three good ones. So we're really getting the gears turning on this fine day. (laughs) I'm really glad we, really glad we got that squared away. We can move forward with our life being, having that figured out. So that was important. (laughs) Well, was there anything else important or burning that I did not ask you yet, my friend? No, man, we went all the way back um, and all the way, you know, forward. forward. I I feel amazing. If, um, you know, like shameless plug, if anybody wants to learn more, like I think you mentioned at the beginning, you can find me on the gram, like yes. all of us. Um, Chef Michael Dot Keto. Yeah, I do have a cookbook sold worldwide, free shipping worldwide. Um, you can find that information on, on my um, Instagram, or you can search for new keto cooking. It's like restaurant level, um, keto food that like, really it's designed for anybody. You don't have to be like a keto head to like enjoy. It's just good food, um, meat and greens and veggies and like beautiful sides. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's not like a diet book. Um, so new keto cooking is sold worldwide and my podcast, um, the talk with chef Michael is anywhere podcasts can be found. If you guys want to vibe with me in a different way. <laughs> so he's got he's got all of the things and I'll have to get your my best friend I think I told you is keto so I'm gonna have to whenever the next holiday or what something is I'm gonna have to give him your book because he would love that so I love it. and You're I right didn't so. even make fun I didn't even make too much fun of you for being keto it was just so uh, wholesome I couldn't do it it was so it was well you asked wholesome questions I know I know I mean, you I'll can you make fun time. of keto a little bit like I can too like it's not all <laughs> Some of the keto community, not the people, but like the way keto is tossed around is like this like fad diet thing. And you see like all this crappy like keto bars and cookies on like at like CVS and Walgreens now. Like I- I'm not that's what I'm saying. I'm not like of the camp that keto is like this like solution to the world. But mm-hmm. it did work for me. And um I think that if people got educated around like what it actually is and isn't, and it's not like bacon dipped in mayo, it's actually like, you know, real food. It's basically just cutting out potatoes and bread and sugar. 
And I don't think any of us would be hurt by taking a little bit of the sugar out of our life. So yeah, I'll leave well, it at that. But. I don't want to hear it. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I like, yeah, we're fine. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been an absolute delight and a pleasure to get to know you better and learn about your story and all the amazing things that make you you. So much appreciated. Thank you. That was very Yay. sweet. I really <laughs> enjoyed you in general. We've been having a lot of fun lately. So thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Feed Feed and don't forget to follow Michael on Instagram at chefmichael.keto. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur who has helped you solve that what's for dinner question, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from our listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Thanks for listening.